feminist friends and welcome to Real Feminism, the podcast where we discuss films from an intersectional feminist perspective. I'm your host Jo and today I am joined by my co-host Aman. Hello, hello, hello. Happy New Year Jo. Happy New Year. (laughs) Oh, do you have any resolutions for 2023 or any goals? No resolutions, I don't tend to do resolutions. Yeah. Goals. So I did do a vision board just before the new year, which has got travelling on it. I want to do more powerlifting and Mm -hmm. increase my numbers. And yeah, just basically move more. I feel like with working from home, I sit a lot. So Mm -hmm. less sitting and more moving is my goal. Nice. How about you? Yeah, I'd like to find a new job. So that's quite a big one. And I'd also like to move more because I was going to the gym semi, well, fairly regularly, to be fair, like twice a week. And then it got to September and I got tonsillitis and then I just kept getting sick all the way up until Christmas. So it feels nice to, although I felt like one of those people who's back at the gym the 1st of January, I was like, you have, this is just a good jumping off point for you to be going back and actually getting back into that. So that's been nice. But I keep getting lots of aches and pains in my body. Like my my hips and my knees, which is really annoying. But that is because you're not moving enough. Well, I walk an hour every day to and from work. And I've been trying to do yoga in the evenings to stretch out. Because I also wonder if it's my leg that's in pain is much tighter than my other leg. Mm-hmm. Stretching is helping. But it's, it's just a lot of effort and work. <laughs> There's also, so um, what my trainer has taught me, not stretching, this is really boring podcast material (laughs) for anyone listening, um, but like hip mobility. So rather than just stretching it out with yoga, which is good, but also like doing more back and forth motions. um, Mm -hmm. I'll send you the link of what I mean, because I thought I had the same and I was like, oh, I'm stretching, but actually doing more of this mobility movement has Mm -hmm. actually helped. Okay. Um, Yeah. Cool. All right. I'll give that a go. Maybe that will, I'll stop feeling like an old lady with my sore joints. Um, How has the powerlifting been going? You had a competition in December, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. I had it in the December. Worst timing for um Christmas parties <laughs> and uh, just generally socializing, but it went really well. So I came fifth in my weight category, mm-hmm. uh, which was brilliant. Um, But I didn't really get a chance to do loads of training because my sister got married and I got norovirus and everything, but um. Yeah, no, it went really well. And now I think the plan is to join like an actual weightlifting, uh, powerlifting federation and maybe take it a little bit, just a little bit more seriously. Nothing like major, but just to put a bit more effort into it. Because I've got loads in me. And when you go to something like that, you, you see the range of body shapes and sizes and how much people are lifting. And it's just incredibly inspiring. So it's like, right, I need to kind of smash more goals this year so yeah it's going really well really really good yeah I'm finding it's really for me because as soon as like with running and everything it's great but I I still think about work Mm. and whereas that if you've got a heavy weight on your back where you're trying to lift something you have to really concentrate Mm -hmm. so from a mental health perspective it's just helped me really like just switch off yeah I have to say I have found the gym does make me feel a lot better particularly anxiety wise it just like I went today and when I got back, there was just silence in my brain. And it, I almost feel a bit psychotic when that's happening. So I'm like, there's nothing going on in my brain. I'm just thinking about what I'm doing right now. And this feels weird. It feels, 
I'm not used to the feeling of it yet. Yeah. But it's good. It's nice to feel like calm and centered rather than having all of these thoughts racing in my brain. Yeah. It just makes me feel like, oh my God, am I a psychopath? What's going on? <laughs> There's nothing happening in my head. No, but it's just so normal, isn't it? You're always thinking about something. Mm-hmm. Friday, I had my first anxiety attack of the year and was just like in floods of tears and had to go out. Well, I didn't have to go out to go to the gym. I had a class booked. And he was like, you know, you don't have to go. And I was like, I know, but I think it's going to help. Otherwise, I'm just going to get in bed and lie down and cry <laughs> and not do anything for the evening. So I went and it did massively help. But the first half of the class, I was just crying. Oh, I've done that before. I've gone to the gym and just cried. And then you kind of just get okay after a yeah. while. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think as part of it is because you are focusing on what you're doing. Mm. It was a strength training one. So it was a lot of like lifting weights and stuff like that. And when I got in, because I was a bit late, I'd like ran to the gym and I was still like just clearly not yeah. very well. And a woman helped me sample my stuff. And I was like, oh my God, thank Aww. you so much. And because it was all full, I had to sit right at the, I had to go right at the front. So it was very obvious that I was just like, breaking down during the class but I got through and I did feel a lot better after so I was like that was a good thing and also it's good that the instructor didn't like make a point of it or they didn't like no he came up to me after because I was on my phone I was about to leave and he came up to me and was like oh are you okay I was like yeah (laughs) I was just having an anxiety attack it's fine so yeah it, it was good and I'm glad to be getting back into it because as you said from a mental health perspective it it does make a difference Shall we get into talking about the movie? I'm yes. really excited. Yeah. So we did Thelma and Louise, which uh, I had never seen until we did it for the podcast, which is weird because my mum actually had the DVD on her shelf for the whole of my life. It's always been one of the DVDs she's had, along with Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Rob Roy and the Full Monty. <laughs> Thelma and Louise has always been on the shelf and I just never got round to watching it. I'm very glad to finally be on board with Thelma and Louise. It came out in 1991 and was directed by Ridley Scott, which I didn't realise. Mm-hmm. He's obviously done things like Blade Runner and Alien, Gladiator, films like that. I was surprised to hear that he'd done Thelma and Louise. And then it was written and produced by Callie Corey, who um, it turns out from reading Gina Davis's autobiography because I take this podcast seriously and I've apparently been doing lots of research. Callie, this was kind of her project. It was her and another woman who came up with the idea and then Callie wrote it and sold the rights to Ridley Scott. So this was kind of like her thing. Uh, And then there was another woman on the producer side, Mimi Polk Gitlin. They both seem to be white women from what I could tell. Um, Callie's dad is Lebanese, but that's it. And obviously Ridley Scott is a white man very famously white male director. So for anyone who hasn't seen Thelma and Louise, stop this podcast and go watch it because the ending of the film is very famous and it was something I knew about before I watched the film. But you should go see it because you don't want us to ruin it. It's it's basically about two women who decide to go on a road trip and there is a trigger warning with this film for rape or um, attempted rape. And one of the characters ends up shooting the guy who is the attempted rapist and then they end up kind of going on the run and a bit of a crime spree throughout the movie so that happens quite early on basically they're on a road trip shit turns shit i suppose things go (laughs) (laughs) shit happens and then they're on the run and i suppose they're just trying to figure out how to get away with it or survive it Mm -hmm. so there aren't i mean it's called sarah and louise and that's basically all that we have to talk about today um louise is played by susan sarandon 
who is in Rocky Horror, which is one of my favourite films of all time. And Thelma is played by Gina Davis, who is also in The Fly and Beetlejuice, among some other things. That's kind of it. There aren't, I haven't written down anything for the intersectional side. There are a couple of other like female actors in it, but they're not really a part of the show. It's basically just Thelma and Louise and the men they meet along the way who are sometimes nice and sometimes not, mostly not. I think it's fair to say. So because it's about Thelma and Louise, it passes the Bechdel tests a million times over. There's a lot of stuff that they're talking about that has nothing to do with men. Often it's to do with them drinking, smoking, wanting to dance, whether they should leave the bar or not. But obviously it doesn't pass the intersectional Bechdel test because I don't think there's even a named character in the film who isn't white. No, just that black person at the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the guy smoking weed. I did write down that there's like, I think... The work person or gardener outside Thelma's house isn't white. There are two Native American men in the cafe. But like that's it. It's very bare bones of intersectional characters, which is a real shame because it means it's automatically going to get a zero. Yeah. Intersectional side. So it won't score as high as I would like because for the female side, I think it's a really good film. Spoilers for the end of the podcast. <laughs> Um, so had you seen this before, Amon? Yeah, so I, um, I'd i seen it when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And I think I really loved it when I was younger, but I hadn't probably appreciated how good it was. Mm. And like, I suppose also how strong a female characters those two are. But me mm. and my friend always liken ourselves to Thelma and Louise. And we basically say like, if one of us was ever in a position to have murdered someone... <laughs> be do Thelma and Louise like that would be our thing so we, I've loved it ever since I the first time I watched it but I hadn't seen it for like I'd say about 20 years and so then it was really nice watching it again this time around but actually like really appreciating the story mm-hmm. and the characters so yeah it was really it was a really good watch because sometimes you know when you watch something when you're a teenager and you think it's good and then you watch it as an adult and it's actually really bad or there's like it's not very good in terms of like diversity or just generally it's not very female friendly or whatever it is but this actually was still really good yeah I agree it, it holds up particularly for a first mm. viewing I loved it I cried at the end I found the ending so emotional and I don't think it's just because of how the film ends. I think it was just that female bond, female friendship that they had, that they were in it together until that last moment just really got to me, made me cry. Yeah, no, but it's so true. Like they have each other's back. Yeah. In some ways, as much as it was, when was it? It was 1991, wasn't it? It Mm. Things haven't changed. Like it still represents present day with all the variety of dickhead men that they meet mm. throughout and all the shit that they have to deal with because mm-hmm. she like you said that she gets there's an attempted rape because and it was really interesting when they were talking about the rape and how no one would believe her because she was dancing with him all night mm. and you still think like 20 years on well more than 20 years but we're still having those same conversations yeah I know I was quite surprised by that there's a bit I think towards the end where Louise is saying why didn't we just go to the police why did I do this? And Thelma's like, you know why? Because like you said it, we wouldn't have been mm-hmm. believed, as you say. They would have asked, I think, so I wrote down the quote, Thelma says, you know why? You already said no one would believe us. They would have made out like I asked for it because she'd been dancing with this guy. She was drunk. And unfortunately, people still look at that. I'm hoping things are changing slightly now and that people are more aware. But that's only really, I guess, been since the Me Too movement, people might become more aware of what they're doing and their behaviour and consent and 
all of those things. But from 1991 to 2016 is a big gap of time. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite sad now I'm thinking about it. <laughs> but then at the same time, like, there's solidarity with each other. You know, like, all of that is really lovely to see. Yeah. And it is really funny how, like, basically they do one crime and then they're like, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Let's just yeah. carry on. <laughs> I know. I love that Thelma in particular feels like she has a real character arc throughout the movie. Mm -hmm. She goes from being what I'm assuming is a housewife with a husband who's really controlling and overbearing and blessing of her and emotionally abusive to then just being this complete badass by the end who's robbing places and is properly smoking and has just realised that she's now free Mm. and that she doesn't have to pay attention to this husband. She doesn't have to listen to these men. She's free now. I really loved seeing that. Yeah. And it was interesting reading Gina's autobiography. She was saying that I think both her and Susan are similar to their characters in real life in that Susan, apparently, she found it very easy to tell people when she didn't want to be doing things on set. They went into a script meeting and Gina said she had a few tweaks and had mentally prepared how she was going to tell Ridley Scott about these script changes in a way that wouldn't be upsetting for him. So she was thinking maybe I'll just um, make it seem like it was his idea or I'll try and say it in a way that it could be quite funny for the script. Whereas Susan apparently just went in and was like, I don't like this. I think we should cut this line. I've got a great idea for a scene that I think should go in. And Gina was like, oh my God, you can do that? That's amazing. And she also told a story about Ridley wanted Thelma to take her top off at one point in the car later on in the film. And Gina was like, oh, oh, I don't know, I don't know, okay. And Susan just went up to him and was like, Gina is not taking her top off. That's not happening. Oh, brilliant. That's, yeah. But it felt like that's kind of like what Louise is like. She felt very strong and authoritative in the movie, particularly at the start. Like, with there are several moments where she says to men, like, what are you looking at? So they're staring yeah. at her. Or in the bar where that guy comes to sit down next to them and he asks what they're doing. And Louise says, minding my own business. Why don't you mind yours? And then just blows smoke in his face. <laughs> I was like, oh, I wish I had more of that energy. Just that kind of, fuck you. Like, I'm not being this yeah. polite, smiley woman that you think I should be or that you think you have a right to have. Yeah, but I wonder whether, because they touched on it, don't they, that I can't what, what is it Texas that they, they say you have to avoid? Yes. I think they alluded to the fact that she was raped in Texas or something happened to mm-hmm. her. But I wonder whether her experience changed her as a character. But yeah, no, she is like a really strong female. Even like her boyfriend, like she's like, I'm not in, you know. Yeah. It's a much more balanced relationship than Louise's. But it's mm-hmm. interesting the way they dress as well. So Louise's, she wears more trousers and shirts and stuff. And then Thelma is in more dresses more cutesy mm-hmm. and a bit more naive. Yeah, she seems really naive. But I like that throughout the film, by the end of it, they're both kind yeah. of wearing trousers yeah. and shirts and they're braless. And there's a bit where they're just like cleaning their armpits in some sort of like trough of water <laughs> and they're covered in dust and they're sunburned. I was like, I love this because they are both really attractive, skinny, white women. Um, Although, interestingly, in Gina's book, she talks about her modelling career and that she was told that she wasn't conventionally pretty and that her jaw is too big to hide with makeup. Oh, wow. I know. And she was used a lot in modelling just as people's bodies. So they'd hire a model as the face of this, like, L'Oreal campaign or whatever. And then Gina would be the body. (laughs) 
which is horrifying that they're cutting up women wow lots of them or like her hands would be used because she had nice hands people didn't like her face in the industry which blows my mind because I think she's stunning yeah 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 and she's got such a lovely smile but also it meant that throughout a lot of her life Gina didn't see herself as pretty or having a nice body oh yeah I suppose because people have dissected her haven't they really yeah yeah she did a lot of lingerie modeling and was like come on if anyone should feel good about their body it should be a lingerie model Mm. but she still just didn't fully see that which is wild to me because she I, I think she is conventionally attractive I think She's very pretty. Yeah, but I don't understand modelling, like, criteria and standards. I don't either. I mean, I think a lot of it was around her jaw, which feels... I guess maybe her jaw's kind of masculine, in air quotes. Yeah. Not the traditional feminine jaw. I mean, maybe I find her so attractive because she's not a cookie cutter. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's why you think she's pretty, because she doesn't look like everybody else. But I've always found Susan Sarandon very attractive and in Rocky Horror when she's just in her underwear. I've never seen that. I've never ever seen that. Haven't you? Okay. Well, she is is also stunning and has a very sort of petite body. Hmm. I don't know why I brought that up and what the point was. Oh, so I I like that you get to see them be kind of a bit gross. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think after that guy tried to rape Thelma, she's in the car uh, as Louise is driving away and she looks not great not ugly because I don't know if Gina could ever look ugly but she's got kind of sweaty hair from all the dancing which I was really appreciated seeing that because she'd been dancing a lot and it was hot she'd been drinking so she would be sweaty yeah. she was obviously crying her face was really blotchy her nose was bloody from being hit by this guy and I appreciated that you got to see her look a mess yeah 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 she didn't just like then look perfect yeah. yeah, so I appreciated that they did that. I have to say, actually, just building on that, it did feel, this film felt more really authentic mm. in that sense of, like, that there was, it was just true to what would have actually happened if this was happening in real life. Mm-hmm. It would be, like, she would be a bloody mess and they would be, you know, like, on the run, but also with nowhere to go and no makeup and everything like that. So it felt like it was a really authentic portrayal. And in some ways, I don't know if it was Ridley Scott or whoever, they made that really well. They made that happen really mm-hmm. well. Yeah, they did a great job with that. And I loved that it was kind of set. We felt like a Wild West yeah. type scene. Like it really felt like they were in the middle of nowhere a lot of the time. Mm. Shall we... What should we talk about? <laughs> There's quite a few bits, isn't there? Because... What really fascinated me was, you know, after the rape, Mm -hmm. they didn't really talk about her and the impact it had on her. On Thelma. Yeah. Yeah. It just happened. And then Louise shot the guy. Then the main goal of it was to get away and to escape. Mm -hmm. Not at one point, or maybe maybe they did, but I missed it. But they didn't really ask Thelma or they didn't pick on Thelma and how she felt about that. Yeah, I get what you mean. There was no discussion about it. And then she had obviously a sex with Brad Pitt later on in the film. Did you find that weird? I found that... I find that not, I mean, I've been very lucky not to have been raped, but I don't know how comfortable you would then feel. Because mm. I was thinking about it and i like, would you go there? But I suppose it's consensual and if you felt safe, it's different. Maybe there's something to do with it being that he wasn't, he was stopped. I mean, it was still, it was really hard to watch, mm. but maybe there's something in there for her that it was attempted and not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, obviously... It could affect you in different ways. That's the thing, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and whether it's like attempted or not, like obviously, you, it is still an awful experience to have someone attempt to rape you. 
mm. doesn't diminish it but I was wondering whether maybe and uh, maybe part of it was the shock of knowing oh god he's dead and now we're on the run yeah yeah I don't know like I was so glad that Louise killed him <laughs> And I didn't feel any sadness. No, no. And I wonder whether maybe she was, there was something there that she was like, well, that guy's dead now. So he got what he deserved. Maybe it was easier then to. Yeah, like closure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Possibly. And I think also she was then in the the throes of like, oh, I, I like she was becoming freer mm. and able to just do whatever she wanted without her gross husband, who is horrible. I hated that at the start when, like he gave her coffee. She was trying to give him coffee as he was getting ready for work and he just refused yeah. it. And was like, don't holler like that. And she asked what he wanted for dinner and he was like, I don't give a shit what we have for dinner. If Lee responded like that to me, I would be fuming. I was like, I'm asking what you want for dinner because I'm going to be cooking your dinner. You should be grateful. If I would be so angry. That would be like grounds for breakup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Someone was like, I don't give a shit what we have for dinner. Or that or like, what's wrong? Yeah. This is- yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but particularly she knows he's having an affair. Oh, she knows he's having an affair. Yeah, yeah. Because she referenced it in the car. I don't remember that at all. She was like, he's not going to come home again. Oh, because he keeps staying out late at night and just yeah. saying he's at work or something. Yeah. Because yeah. she was like, oh, dead. that's a late night to sell something. and Yeah, and then he gets really annoyed with her. And Louise, I think when Louise calls her, she's like, oh, Thelma says she has to ask ask her husband if it's okay. Yeah. It's horrible, but also I, a lot of relationships are still like that. But I'm hoping less of them now maybe than there were in the past. It was horrible. I, I was glad she went because then it meant we got a film, number one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there was, yeah. And that was kind of her first moment of breaking free is thinking, oh, I'm just going to leave him a note and not worry about it and just go off. Yeah, because she says to Louise, he'd never let me go. He doesn't let me do anything fun. So she is conscious that if she asks, she'd just get told no. I know, but it's crazy how many people think they can control people. I know. And I don't know, this is a bit of a side note, but I don't know because I follow this person on Twitter. So she posts all these Reddit posts about basically guys who want more control of women or incels. Mm. And they like put these Reddit posts up of, I want a woman who just stays at home and I, I don't want, you know, and you're like, is this really what people think? Yeah. Because it doesn't feel like it's, changed but I don't know if that's just because what I'm being exposed to reading this stuff because Tom's not like that at all but you know what I mean yeah Lee is not like that as well just to clarify I would my first question if Lee said that to me about dinner would be are you okay because that would be so out of the blue that I'm like something bad must have happened for him to have snapped at me like that I've not had I've had some not great experiences with guys that I've been dating who I think have probably wanted that and we've only We've either not made it to the date stage because those red flags have come up or we've been on a couple of dates. And one of them was a guy who told me that it was time for me to grow up. (laughs) And the reason for that is because I was experienced. So I get a lot of joint pain generally and I was experiencing pain in my elbow. I've been going on for days. So my flatmate at the time, Joe, gave me some cocodamol to have and I was at home the whole evening. But I think it was also just after Christmas. So I had some Baileys while I was cooking as well. And I felt fucking great. (laughs) <laughs> I was probably high on this cocodamol yeah. We'd mixed it with alcohol But I was I was safe, I was with a friend I was at home, it was fine And I'd been messaging this guy And then the next day I was like Oh sorry if I was a bit weird last night He was like it was fine but I think you really should grow up now Like you shouldn't be having cocodamol and alcohol At the same time And I was so angry And I was like you have no right to tell me yeah. What you shouldn't be doing That's a none of your business 
yeah I was so mad and there was another guy who I think I'd woken up <laughs> I think I'd overslept and hadn't got to a uni class on time or something and this guy who I hadn't even met yet was like oh, I'm really disappointed in you oh I know and I was like okay we're not meeting up for a date no. so there have been like inklings oh yeah, yeah yeah definitely guys are like that yeah I was, I'm really glad and grateful that my reaction to that so instantly was like no fuck off mm. because it could easily have spiraled down into oh like shame and like oh you're right Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's so easily done. It's so yeah. easily done. I, I went on a date with this guy that just thought he could order my food. Oh. And he said to the waiter, she's going to have X, Y, Z. And the way I looked at the waiter and I was like, I haven't decided yet. So can you come back? In a couple of <laughs> yeah. <minutes?" laughs> and I was like, how fucking dare you? Yeah. And the guy's response was, well, I thought women like men to take control. Oh. And I was like, I don't know which women you've been speaking to, but this one does not and so this guy had told me that I need to grow up on our I think our second day I'd gone to his and we'd had sex and he choked me without asking me if I was okay with that without checking it out before and after I was like um can we talk about that because you're quite lucky that I am into that but a lot of women aren't and he was like oh not every woman I've slept with has liked that and I was like okay but I don't know any any of my friends at that point I was like none of them are into that and this is our second time meeting I'm at your house also did he just assume they liked it because they never said anything exactly like do you know they actually liked it or were they just going along with it because they didn't know what to say or maybe they felt like they weren't safe and it would be easier just to go along with it I don't know but I was really I should have been more annoyed about that I think because I do kind of like that kind of thing I was like okay but I did bring it yeah, up. Yeah, but it's not okay. It's not okay to assume. No, but I meant I should have said, I think I should have been angry about it. Yeah, you know what? I find sex really difficult because I don't know if we've been conditioned just to kind of go, oh, it's okay. Or actually, mm-hmm. you know what? I know you kind of just like minimize it completely. And mm-hmm. it's always after when you reflect on it and you think, what the fuck just happened? Yeah, so I'm, I'm glad I said something to him and I was shocked his response was like, oh, all the women I've slept with have been into that and I was like that's not that's not okay so yeah that there, there has been an aspect of that and I think there is a backlash from a uh, some men like all of the men who love Andrew Tate that is what's scary I think that's what yeah. that's what's worrying and then watching this film kind of brought it home a bit more of like have we really moved on because that guy who tries to rape Thelma when Louise comes out and she says to him like, looks like you've got a real fucked up idea of fun in the future when a woman's crying like that, she isn't having any fun. And he, like, I think he calls Louise a bitch and says, oh, I should have fucked her. And that's when Louise shoots him. <laughs> yeah, but then also, you know, when the police officer is digging around and the waitress is asked about what happened and she's like, basically, Harlan had it coming and, you know, he deserved mm. it. But everyone knew that he behaves this badly. Yeah. But no one has, like, ever stopped him or like it just seems as if everyone's just let him carry on like yeah. why did that waitress warn louise mm-hmm. right one Thelma. Thelma, sorry <laughs> god and tell her like to stay away do you know what i mean yeah i know like it's just it's so accepted i think particularly in bars and pubs the most misogyny and sexism i ever experienced was working at a pub it was horrible and i was lucky that a lot of the guys i worked with and the landlord like if something had happened and you told them about it, they were really on it. Yeah. But it still was horrible. 
experiencing that and for people to think and I put a lot of people there were like well that's just part of working in a bar yeah yeah even recently I was speaking to someone who's a manager at a pub and she was like well that kind of stuff just happens and I was horrified because they had a woman working behind the bar who I think was mixed race and a guy kept calling her exotic oh or something like that I know and I was like the manager didn't really do anything about it she was like oh that's just kind of what it's like working behind the bar no I was like that's not okay and that shouldn't be the norm I was like why didn't you like bar him and she was like well if he barred everyone who did that there'd be no one in the pub well maybe that's the issue like yeah I know I was like oh my god it was yeah that was a tense conversation I don't get on very well with this person anyway and part of it is because I'm like I don't like who you are as a woman and what you stand for and that you think stuff like that's okay well this is why they have to create female friendly spaces don't they because Mm -hmm. then you can go somewhere and know you're not going to be harassed Mm -hmm. although I do understand a lot of the issues around policing that when it comes to being non-binary or yeah trans female and stuff but yes I do love being around in spaces where I know there aren't any cis men it's just interesting how well throughout the film particularly bothering women or harassing women is seen is seen as being nice and giving them compliments mm-hmm. casual harassment is seen as attention and that should be taken positively but it's mm-hmm. the same isn't it like now like catcalling some people yeah. are like, why do you have an issue with it? People are giving you attention. Because I think even like the guy who approaches Thelma and Louise when they're sat down says, oh, I couldn't help but notice two beautiful women. And I was like, this is horrible. Because like, you know, he does that to everyone. That's yeah. not. Oh, but how many times, how many times has that happened to you, Joe? When you go to a bar? This is the thing. Not that much. <laughs> has happened a few times, but I think I maybe give off a vibe that freaks men out. I don't know. Well, that's <laughs> good. Yeah. Much. But then having said that, when I went out bubbing for my birthday, I was having a chat with a guy at the bar while I was getting some water and we were just chatting. I don't remember what about because I was quite drunk and he leant in to kiss me and I was like, no, number one, I'm 30. I don't know why that was number one. Number two, <laughs> I'm in a relationship. But no, hang on. That doesn't matter. Three, the most important one, he didn't ask you. A conversation does not lead to a kiss. I don't know why I led with I'm 30. I was obviously hung up on the fact that it was my birthday and I'd just turned 30 and I felt like everyone around me was probably quite young. And I was like, I do not know how old you are. But then he was like, oh, okay, I'm going to go find someone who's not married. And I was like, I didn't say I was married. I just didn't want to kiss. It was really weird. And I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, that was that, was that thing. Um, the other thing in the movie that brought me a lot of satisfaction is the truck driver that they kept pulling up to who was just being disgusting and making all of those gestures and asking them if they want a big dick and whatever else he'd said. Um, and number one, what did he think was going to happen? <laughs> like when they pulled over and were like, oh yeah, we're ready now. And they pulled over to wherever. What genuinely, what did he think was going to happen? Yeah, but I think guys like that genuinely think that they that works and that they're going to have sex. I would love to know how many times it has worked. Like with all the cat calling and all of that stuff. How often do you actually get someone interested in you? Because it certainly not worked for me. Again, it's guys thinking, well, I'm giving you attention, so be grateful. There is a woman I worked with who got confused when the Me Too movement happened because for her, a man whistling and catcalling you is a compliment and is a good thing. It's not harassment. Yeah. yeah. And I explained that that's not. But that's a very old-fashioned view, isn't it? There's a particular age of women 
that think that we're that women nowadays are like too sensitive or mm. um, that actually it's a compliment and we should accept it yeah but then what's even scarier is a, a guy that I worked with came into the office around that time and was like I just don't know how to compliment a woman anymore it's just you just can't compliment women and I was like that is concerning that you don't know the difference between complimenting someone and harassing them I compliment people all the time and then I carry on with my day I'm just like oh I really love your bag or something I know but maybe (laughs) maybe when it comes from another female to female it's different I think if a guy genuinely said oh I really love your outfit I'd be like oh thank you yeah so I had an older guy I used to work with and he was like I know I shouldn't probably say this it's not he he's very like old English and he's like, I'm sure this is very uncouth to say nowadays or inappropriate because I just want to say I really like how you're always put together. Cause Aww. it was just I had my nail varnish match the colour of my dress and <laughs> and he was just I always love um like coming to see you because I just love how you put yourself together. But like I thought that was just a really nice He's like yeah. a old man with kids. He tells me all about them. Like there was nothing sexual or malicious. He just wanted to say, I really like the fact that you make an effort mm-hmm. and think about like how you look and how you bring it together. Um, yeah. Which I thought was really sweet, but he did preface it with, basically, mm. I don't want to offend you and I'm not coming on to you. Yeah. Um, but... There's a guy on a night out who we've been chatting to all night because they were dressed as meatloaf this power ballad night. So I actually think probably I was giving off the vibes that I was coming on to him because I was so excited he was yeah, dressed yeah, as meatloaf. Yeah. But he did it towards the end of the night. He was like, I think you were really attractive. And I was like, oh my God, do you? Aww. I was so excited. Um, and like, he didn't try and make out with me. He didn't try and like touch me or anything. It went no further than that. But I was like, oh, thank you. Aww. I love that. And then I went home and was like, Lee, need to up your game. So I could have gone home with a man dressed as meatloaf tonight. <laughs> and just letting you know, I expect more. But then are we confusing? Just saying that, like, like yes, it's nice to be complimented, but then at the same time, we're like, someone compliments us. We're like, fuck you, stop it. You do- I think the thing is, in that situation where that guy is coming up to them when they're sat down, like mm. two women... He doesn't know the mates, but I think you can assume they're sat there together. He just comes up, sits down, and just joins in without any... That I really hate, because that feels very... It feels part of that weird controlling thing. Yeah, yeah. With this guy, if he'd leant over at some point in the night and had just been like, oh, you're really fit, I'd be like, okay. Yeah, yeah, I suppose it's the intent, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and because we've built up a bit more of a rapport because we've been chatting about meatloaf and stuff, I was like, oh, okay. This, it just felt quite nice to be told that I was... Attractive. <laughs> attractive by this random man who loved meatloaf as much as me. <laughs> it is nice. I'm not going to lie. It is nice to be complimented. But when it's done in a really, like, unconditional way... Yeah, and there's no... You're not expecting something. You're not saying it because you want something to come out of it, yeah. which is what a compliment should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was at a gig, I was at Kings of Leon a few years back and this guy walked past me and um, I, and he then turned around and he walked back and me and my friends were like, oh, fuck. Like, did I <laughs> nudge him? Did I do something? Because he looked really angry. Oh, no. And then he came over and he's like, I just want to say, like, you're really pretty. And I was like, oh, thanks. And he goes, no, thank you. And then walked off. Like, literally, there was nothing. 
<laughs> but me and my friends were like, oh shit, he's coming back. Yeah. Like, what's happened? <laughs> but it was actually really lovely. I was like, oh, thanks. And I love being complimented on my outfit or my makeup by any gender. I always love yeah. that. And I've been trying to do it more. And I want to try and compliment men more, but then, because I feel a bit sad that if a man's out and about, he maybe men aren't being complimented as much. Yeah, but I think the problem is they take it particularly. Yeah, there is, that's the problem. Yeah, unless they're like gay or maybe gender non-binary or like more fluid in their sexuality, mm. then they are more open to compliments. Just being a compliment, but I, like I know it's yeah. very generalized, but straight men tend to. You know, I feel it. more scared about complimenting a straight man without him thinking I'm hitting on him. Yeah, and I, I'm trying to think, would I ever go up to someone? Probably not. Like, I mean, I definitely... go up to those meatloaf men, but I oh, was. But, that's, but then you're yeah. also in a like a. It's different because you're like in a setting where people have dressed up. I'm just thinking like day to day. Yeah. If I liked someone's shoes on the tube, would I say that to them? But yeah. To women, I've actually turned around and gone back and gone. I'm really sorry. Like to yeah. I know you're like chatting with your friends, but I just want to say I love, love that dress. Yes, um, yeah, I've done that a few times and I love it when people do it to me. It gives me such a buzz. And then, and then yeah, you see the smile on their face and I'm like, actually, where's it from? Because basically I'm going to go and buy it. <laughs> actually, can I have that? Yeah. <laughs> and then, but it's just, I definitely, I don't think I'd interrupt a group of men. No, I wouldn't ever. Yeah. No, I would, I hate groups of men. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they are. It's intimidating, isn't it? Yeah, it is intimidating. It's not. Yeah. Uh, anyway, back to this movie. <laughs> um, so yeah, with with that guy in the uh, truck, who they then um, they basically try and get him to apologize, don't they? They don't set yeah. out to blow up his tanker, but they want him to apologize, and he refuses and calls them "you bitches from hell." And I think Louise is like. You say you're sorry, or I'm gonna make you sorry, mm. and gives him a chance to be like, "Oh, I'm I'm really sorry for upsetting you. I'm sorry I said those things. You're right." And he doesn't. He just gets. I think it's that classic thing where men are catcalling women and doing all that kind of stuff, and then that woman's like, "No, I don't want that actually." And then they get angry and are like, "Call you a bitch and get annoyed yeah, with you." Yeah. So I was really pleased that they blew up his tanker. It was really. No, that was well. Was he, what he deserved, really. Yeah, a hundred percent. What he deserved. <laughs> also, because he didn't take them seriously, mm. he thought they were just like calling his bluff, mm-hmm. and like that's what was wicked about it. Like he's like, "Oh yeah, what are you going to do about it?" Yeah. Well, I'll show you. I also it made me really long for a fantasy society where someone can treat you like that and you can just blow up their car and be like no fuck you i know i know i know i i always wish i could like enact revenge there and then yeah <laughs> and obviously they're on this crime spree so they're at that point where they're like fuck it like we've already killed someone well it's the fact because i just looked at this quote and um that i'd written down and she basically said where, where i got it written down that being on the run and basically like committing crime is better than no one believing you that you were raped mm-hmm. that was like the gist of it I can't see where I've written it down but essentially that's what they're doing they're saying like the worst is the worst thing that could have happened has happened mm-hmm. so nothing else really matters so you might as well just fuck shit up right yeah and I think they 
it didn't feel like they set out none of this it felt like they set out intentionally to do obviously and it feels like in a lot of instances it's men who are pushing them down a path where they're like well fuck it because when Thelma sleeps with Brad Pitt and he robs them and steals all their money that's when Thelma then ends up robbing a store Mm -hmm. because they don't have any money and I think the police officer even says to Brad Pitt when they pull him in like this is your fault you've pushed them down this path like do you think she would have robbed that store if you hadn't stolen the money Brad Pitt's like oh no (laughs) I guess not and then they weren't like oh do you know what would be really fun would be blowing up an oil tanker yeah yeah. but that guy is being an arsehole I guess the only other thing is the police officer who they then very politely put in the trunk of his car (laughs) because they're like we we don't want to get caught so we're really sorry that you've been caught up in this but we really need you to get into your yeah 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 yeah. which I really the whole way that Thelma did that I really loved because she was just so like polite about the fact that she had a gun to his head and was asking him to get out the car and get into the boot of his car I know but that's it was funny because actually her whole style is so nice that it puts people it I suppose it throws people off guard and then they just do as they're being asked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's. I think she says to the police officer, now I really apologise, but can you put your hands on the wheel, please? <laughs> and it was really fun. And the way she robs the store as well. Yeah, I think they yeah. have the CCTV footage and you see the police officers and Thelma's husband watching it and they're all so stunned by her doing this. And it was a beautiful moment to watch. Well, they just, they basically... Um... They underestimated her, didn't they? And I think there's a bit with a police officer getting into the boot of his car where Thelma says to him, be nice to your wife. Mm. And then she says, my husband wasn't sweet to me. Look how I turned out. <laughs> Which I was like, I really hope that man does go back and he's just the sweetest person in the world to his wife yeah. for the rest of the time, for fear that one day she might True. just completely lose it and start doing a Thelma and Louise. Oh, tell you what else I did love. Um, I really love how excited Thelma was to sleep with Brad Pitt and that she really wanted to pick him up, that she talked about how much she loves watching him walk away. And then she's obviously over the moon to have sex with him. And then Louise says to her, I'm happy you finally got properly laid. I know she was so happy, wasn't she? Yeah. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that because you don't often, it felt like she was in charge of her own sexuality and her own autonomy, even though like Brad Pitt showed up at her door. I can't, oh, JD, I have written down his name, so I don't know why I'm just saying Brad Pitt the whole time. Even though he just shows up at her door and asks to come in, it very much feels like... Oh, she was in control of that situation, yeah. Yes. And that that she was sexually satisfied and that she was... It, it just felt really nice. Like, we don't know how he found that sexual experience. Yeah. And we don't care because she had a great time. I was going to say, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. No. And, and we don't care. And also, he taught her how to rob a store, which was great. And I also love that in real life, Gina Davis um, chose Brad Pitt out of a lineup of four men. And that included George Clooney and Mark Ruffalo. But at the oh, time... Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, really? Yeah. At the time, she didn't know that. And she had like a screen test with all four of them. And she said the first three were the brunettes and they were fine. Like she thought they were really good actors and they were very attractive. And then Brad Pitt came in and she said she was so stunned by how hot he was that she kept messing up her lines. So she was like, I'm so sorry, I'm messing up your audition. 
because he was fully prepared and she was just like, oh shit, it's meant to be me reading next. And then after uh, Ridley Scott and whoever else it was, the casting director were mm-hmm. chatting about it. And she was like, oh, would it be useful to hear my opinion on it? And I was like, yeah, of course, of course. And she was like, uh, the blonde one, obviously. <laughs> and I think that was his first proper role, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that's his breakthrough role. Yeah. yeah. But what I found really interesting watching the scenes with Brad Pitt, particularly when he's got like his top off, is that he's clearly very muscular, mm. but he felt scrawny to me. And I think that's because we are now so used to seeing yeah. men in action movies and Marvel movies who are just Built. ridiculously yeah. big and ripped that yeah. seeing a perfect, like a more normal, but still very muscly. I know, I know. And I suppose back then lean was like fashionable. He was still like, he had a six pack. He was still very muscly. Yeah. And I was really horrified at myself. I was like, he seems kind of scrawny. <laughs> he seems quite small. Yeah, because now everyone's massive, aren't they? Huge. Even for like less, even if you're not playing a superhero, it feels like you still need to be a very big guy. Yeah, and like thin, lean characters tend to be more for like, like, you know, like more like tortured characters or, Mm -hmm. yeah. That made me feel really sad. I was like, oh, it's upsetting that seeing male images on screen has affected me that much that... Mm -hmm seeing this very muscly man in my head I'm like oh he looks small so if you think about it from that perspective can you imagine then the impact it has the other way around on men seeing women like all tiny tiny because apparently mm. size zero is back now isn't it um was it? yeah um, I was and then there has been a backlash this time to it yeah. good and so like what they then expect in reality or watch they what what they watch in porn mm. they expect in reality yeah, and there's there's a great clip of Kate Winslet going around at the moment where she's talking about how the media looked like looked at her weight and talked mm. about her weight, and that people just see these glamorous shots uh, at like award ceremonies, and she's like, and then you get in the car, you take that off, and you're just eating and farting because that's what we do, <laughs> which I really enjoyed. And she was like, it's just that tiny moment where you spend all day getting ready. Yeah, I quite enjoyed that whole little clip I don't know what she was being interviewed for no but her weight definitely mm. there was something about Reese Witherspoon on Instagram about do you remember her in Bridget Jones and when she's dressed funny mm. mm-hmm. and how they tried to convince us Reese Witherspoon was fat yeah I know it's horrifying um and the same for Marty McCutcheon's character in Love Actually yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I know yeah because then you do you do thankfully now I don't do this because I follow a lot of body positive people on Instagram and feel more comfortable with my body. But it is hard not to sit there and think, oh, if they think she's big, then I must be huge. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And actually, like, what's really interesting is every time I, like, scroll through my pictures, the one thing, like, Tom picked up on it and I was like, it doesn't matter what year it's from. I'm always like, oh, I remember looking at that picture thinking I'm really fat. Mm. And then there's one where I was really skinny and I was like, oh, I remember thinking I was really fat back then. And he was like, every time you pull up a picture, of, that's the first thing you say. Mm. Um, and I'm just like, I know, but it's just so inbuilt. Even now, like I'm lifting and naturally your muscles get bigger. Mm-hmm. So none of my clothes fit me. And that's yeah. not because I'm like getting big. I'm getting bigger because of my muscles, mm-hmm. um, but I'm really struggling with it because you're not meant to get bigger, you're meant to get smaller. Yeah, I remember my sister going to the gym for a while and 
she was horrified at the idea of doing weightlifting because she was like, but it makes you put on weight and I'm trying to lose weight. And I was like, yes, but you're putting on muscle. Yeah. So you're still becoming, and, but she, what she wanted to see was that number going down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's taken me a long time mm. to be okay with the fact that my numbers won't go down. Yeah. Um, but there's still moments, like, don't get me wrong, when I look everything now and I'm like, oh, I wish I was skinny. But then mm. I'm like... I, I can't be skinny and lift heavy weights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And my mum said to me the other day, like, you used to be really thin. You eat too much now. And I was like, well, actually, oh my God. I didn't eat enough. That's why when I look back at what I used to eat and mm. train five times a day, I used to uh, five times a week run. I think I barely was breaking a thousand calories a day. Enough if you're not exercising. Yeah. And I said to her, like, yes, I was really skinny, but... I wasn't eating enough at all. So mm. you were, I, like, and I don't, maybe in your twenties, you can manage it better. But I was like, there's no way I can cope with not eating that much. Yeah. And also at some point we're all going to die. And yeah. I don't want to look back and think, oh, I didn't enjoy eating food because that's my favorite thing to do. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. I know. It brings me such joy. But it just it, like, it really doesn't matter how hard you try, but there's still that little gremlin in your mm. head going you're getting bigger or, you know, you're not skinny enough and it's really difficult. Yeah. I think it is hard because everywhere around you is always those comparison pictures of like, look how big they were and look how tiny they are. And actually I'm going the opposite Mm. and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, it's just not what you're used to. Yeah, I hear that. So is there anything else you'd specifically like to say about this The only thing, I know we touched on it a little bit, is the police officer. Mm. He's an ally, isn't he? He wants to help the girls. Yeah, but I don't know why he's so sure that they should get help because I don't think they know that he tried to rape Thelma. So they've found this guy who's been shot and they've found out about Thelma and Louise and all of that. But I don't think, if he knew... This guy tried to rape Thelma and they knew they wouldn't be believed and he understood that and was on their side because of that. Then I'd be okay with it. I feel a bit weird about when Louise calls him and he says, Louise, I almost feel like I know you. And I was like, why? Yeah, yeah. Over I, was like, I think this is yeah. just because they're white women and they're pretty. I was going to say, well, do you think it's a ploy? Oh, what, to try and get them to come in? Maybe. But the then right at the end, he's very keen for those people not to shoot them. He keeps being like, please don't. Because I was thinking if if this were two black women on the run, I don't think the police officer would be that nice. No, and I was thinking exactly the same. They'd be dead already. Yeah. And I I was kind of annoyed that he wasn't, I was like, you're not taking them seriously enough. She just robbed a bank. Yeah, 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 yeah. They've locked up a police officer in the car. I know, I know. It's funny, actually, because I thought the same. I thought, mm. And then, you know, when they stopped the police officer and she mm. got out, I thought they'd be dead already. There's no way mm. that they'd even get that far. Yeah. There were two black yeah. women. A hundred percent. Like they were waiting and saying, please get out of the car or we're going to shoot you. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, they would have just been shot. Yeah. Isn't that really sad? Like every time I see police, American police officers with a white person, I my automatic thing is always well if they were black they'd be dead by now it's so true and it, it was frustrating the policeman being so like on the one hand great that he's trying to help them mm. but it felt like it was for the wrong 
reasons See, uh, yeah I didn't I just probably was a bit naive and I just thought it's oh he's trying to help them I, I as I said I, I think if maybe I've got it wrong maybe he did know that that guy tried to yeah. break Thelma and he did say to Louise I know what happened in Texas so I understand so maybe he did know because I think he says I understand why you don't want to come in or something yeah maybe he does know because they didn't really touch on it did they properly but I don't know if she tried to try to get the person in Texas like arrested or whatever and nothing happened? I don't know, but we never find out, do we? Thelma tries to speak to Louise about it in the car, and Louise is like, yeah. no, I'm not yeah. going there. Don't even try. Yeah. I'd love to, if they ever remake it or, like, they do a prequel, it'd be great to hear more about their past. Yeah, I mean, Thelma, for me, it'd be interesting to know how they became friends and whether Thelma's marriage changed it into being that more timid mm. person that then came alive when they were committing all these crimes. And what Louise was like before whatever happened in Texas happened. Yeah, yeah. I did also note that because um, as I was watching it, I was it felt a bit like Louise was the mum and Thelma was the teenage daughter for a lot of the film. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I looked it up and there is a 10-year age gap between Susan and Gina. Oh, is there? Oh, wow. Yeah, so Susan Sarandon was 45 when it came out and Gina was 35. Wow. Which is also pretty awesome that they got... Because a, a lot of the time in Hollywood, they're like, oh, you're this age. Yeah, We're not interested yeah, in you. Yeah. Whereas Susan, although she doesn't, you don't see her having sex with her boyfriend, she's still very attractive and she isn't shown as being any type of figure who's unattractive or anything like that, if that makes sense. No, she just comes across as more like worldly, as in like had more world experience. Yeah, and Gina Davis just comes across as more like uh, naive. Yeah, and then I think like when they're on the run she seems more excited about it whereas Louise seems more worried although possibly that's because Louise killed that man yeah yeah she's kind of more guilty like, than anyone else. yeah <laughs> yeah um I don't think I have anything else pressing to say no I think that was everything from my perspective it's just funny I just I wrote a note of like I would have shot him too which I would have done yeah he fully fucking deserved that mm. oh I did write I was very upset that they left the margaritas behind when so again I was like wow you can really tell that things have moved on because when they're in the bar both of them yeah. leave their drinks behind yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you'd never do that now no but I think part of that is because it, it at school for me it was drummed into us so hard to never do that mm. and I don't think I ever saw them in clubs but we'd have talks where we were shown these little stoppers that you could put in like a WKD bottle that would fit a straw in so that no one could even get anything in your drink. And I never used one on a night out and I don't think I ever saw them, but it's kind of wild that there was so much education for girls to not leave their drink behind. And there were no talks about why you shouldn't be trying to drug people in bars yeah, I know well they that's come up a couple of times isn't it like why is it always on the woman her responsibility to keep herself safe mm-hmm. rather than the man not attacking her or not drugging her or yeah it's like women shouldn't wear headphones when they're walking home from work or whatever yeah all of that but actually why can't men just not kill yeah someone? yeah yeah why do I need to know so much about keeping myself safe mm. like why has someone invented this device that I can use to ensure that no one can put anything in a bottle. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, obviously so ingrained that when they left him, I was like, oh my God, they've left their drinks behind. <laughs> I feel really like, ooh, unsafe about that. I do. I would really love to go out line dancing with them and just drinking margaritas. Mm. That looked like, it take if that man wasn't involved in it and it was just the two of them, 
just looked like the most fun. Yeah, no, it did look like a good time. Yeah. And those margaritas were great sizes. Well, everything in America is massive, aren't isn't it? So yeah, that's true. I was like, oh, this just looks like. I wish there was more shit like this going on in England. Like, I wish you could just turn up to a pub and like people would just be line dancing. I don't know if it would work. <laughs> anyway, should we rate this movie? Mm-hmm. I am happy to give it five out of five for the female side. There's oh, I agree. I think it's brilliant. Yeah. To do more is just. And I think you're right in that it would be a different movie if they weren't white women. Oh, yeah. Also, I mean, the other thing is just the body diversity piece, but then it was 1991 yeah. and everyone was skinny. So, yeah. It, and I also, I think it's only those two women. I'm like, okay, there's not as much yeah. room to play. It would be nice if they weren't so skinny and pretty, but also it is kind of nice seeing them behaving badly. And yeah, being yeah. well, not the villains, they're not the villains, but they're for some of the people who were being robbed, <laughs> I guess that were seen as the villains. So, yeah, unfortunately, it can't get any higher than five. No, I agree. I'm with you on that one, which is sad, but still, great movie. I really, really loved it. And I messaged my mum after and was like, Oh, was Thamra Louise one of the ones you had on the shelf? And she was like, Yeah, I really love that film. I was like, It's such a good film. She's like, Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, Thamra Louise gets five out of ten. Uh, still a great movie. Go see it. I want to watch it again already because I was scribbling stuff down while we were watching it before and I'd like to watch it without any, without having to overthink it all. Uh, thank you very much, Amen, for joining me today. Thank you for having me. You are welcome. And thank you very much to Lee for doing all the producing and editing and artwork and to Sandra for doing the music you hear at the beginning and end of the podcast. Uh, we'll be back in your ears in a month's time where we are going to be reviewing Black Panther. Finally, Ooh. it's been on our list since the beginning. But until then, bye! Bye!